Hey everyone, it's Michael. Before we get started, wanted to let you know about the Union GK app. The Union GK believes that all goalkeepers, parents, and coaches should have access to personal mentoring, college recruiting, and training, which can be thousands of dollars annually. The Union breaks the barrier to entry to these offerings with a cost-effective subscription. So regardless of your location, your subscription allows you to connect with world-class professionals throughout the goalkeeping industry in a safe, intimate setting and receive unbiased feedback and guidance. For more info, go to theuniongk.com or download the app at the Union GK community on Apple or Google Play stores. Thanks for making the union possible and on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Majid, live from Hollywood, California. With me in Woodland Hills, California, finally figuring out that her screen is up, is the one and only 99 World Cup winner, Suskia Weber, showing the Paul Blodgett book right now, Generational <laughs> Goalkeeping. And uh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on before you go to Paul. And okay. wait, I lost my page. Okay. My page. <laughs> okay, your, your your page. Got it. That's okay. right. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> oh, look at that! Your page. You've got a page. My in page. Oh my I have god. A whole page. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well, uh, Suski has already 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 introduced it, guys. Uh, the reason uh, that we have uh, Paul Blodgett's book up there is because we have the one and only Blodge himself. Paul Blodgett, all the way on the East Coast, the uh, author of uh, the uh, Grassroots GK Roadmap. Uh, Blodge, what's up, man? We we How got it. We guys? made we made we made it happen. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I I don't understand some of this uh, the tech stuff. So, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm a dinosaur in that regard, but somehow we figured it out. That's great. Great to see you guys. Good, good to see you too, man. Well, uh, before we kind of get good to see you, Budge. Always yeah, good to see you. Saskia, did you get through your, uh, you were doing something once a day there for like 30 days. How'd that all go? Yeah, it, it went really well. Like I was just at the gym again yesterday and I, I kind of overdid it a little bit. So my chest and triceps are killing me, but it was, it was really just to get kind of like mentally into the groove, like just like. Right put it back on my radar it doesn't have to it was i committed to every day for it ended up being like almost 40 days just to get it into my psyche you Great. know to say this is part of my life again so and it, it worked it worked yeah, <laughs> it wasn't, kind of, uh, it wasn't uh, for it wasn't for weight loss it wasn't for anything like that it was really just a mental thing for no, me. good for you yeah i'm four weeks out of a i just got a new right knee so, nice yeah <laughs> Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm just, I just started being able to go up and down the stairs. Um, so, uh, I'm the same thing. I can't wait to get back in the gym and get this 73 year old frame where it's supposed to be, you know, you're still kicking it though. I mean, come on. Are you kidding me? Seven, if, if I'm kicking balls at kids at 73 years old, like, yeah, just, well, yeah. but and I throw, I, I basically can throw at kids now. I can't really kick so much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That, that's amazing. By the way, Bludge, I love I love the fact that you're like, ah, you know, just got another knee. Last week it was a hip. Hey, I heard knee know, replacements. <laughs> I heard I heard knee replacements and hips are great. Not that I want well, one, the, but the I heard like who told the knees, me? The knees are and, tough. 
That's un- that's unbelievable. I mean, well, well, Blodge, before we kind of get into today's topic, which is, you know, grassroots, uh, you know, goalkeeping and, and, and all that and the roadmap and everything. Why don't you kind of just talk about like kind of the foundation of you, uh, you know, started, you know, writing this book and, and why why you felt it was important for you to, to put it on paper? Um, it, it's kind of a guide how to go from point A to a some type of a completed uh, project. Um, I didn't want to do something just with kind of like a part of it, you know, like, okay, how to do collapsing or how to do one age group. I thought it was important to show people uh, a good approach of how if you just want to get out and get started, which is kind of what I did. I never, I was never trained. I was never trained to be a goalkeeper. I was never trained to be a goalkeeper coach. I just learned it all on my own. And I look for stuff. Joe Macknick had a book out and it was Dr. Joe a book that I first went to to try to figure out. I just needed wanted to know drills because I felt if I knew drills, I could go into a training session and figure it out. Well, after my second, in my second year at Rutgers, I found out that that's not the way it works. You know, you've <laughs> got to be very flexible and you got to do a lot of think on your feet. Uh, you got to gear your work towards the, to the talent that you have or the lack thereof. So my whole, my whole, uh, uh, basically life in this, in this business has been a roadmap. I mean, I learned myself. I had, I just went to clinics. I went to the conventions. Uh, I talked to people. Um, it was just basically learning on the fly. So I, I would thought it'd be very good to try and help people, uh, have some type of a guided approach to start with and, uh, and, and, and go to whatever level they want to go. See, to me, guys, where I say our biggest lack is, is the grassroots level is that the base of the pyramid, you know, that's, you got recreational people, you got high school people want to train goalkeepers. You even got these kids coming out of college who played and now they're going, you know, they've been asked to come back the next year and train your goalkeepers and get their masters paid for, but have they had any really coaching experience? Probably very little. So kind of, that's kind of what the roadmap is about is, is give you a direction, a starting point, um, how to get there. And, uh, the finishing point never really does finish it because you always are learning. So no, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, Sask, obviously, you know, we, we've I'm seen it here you know, thinking that I was a Guinea pig now. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly were a young lady. And, I, and I'll tell you what, I must, I must have failed after you because you're the best I've had. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, not only not only the best you ever have, but there's a forward literally in this book right here, like literally to you in the in the book. Um, I mean, I think that is such a thing, you know, in regards to that, like Suskick, you know, we, we talk about the fact that we have a lot of times people that come on or on social media, you know, and they're sharing their content from these high level academies, professional academies. And the bottom line is, is the majority of the of, of people out there are working in a grassroots environment and are working with foundational goalkeepers right. who are either learning from the get go when they're very young or they're being taught at an, a later age, but a more foundational standpoint because they'd never gotten training, you know, and a lot of the times those people they're all they can do is go online and try to find content, but it's geared towards not the not the grassroots coach. It's geared towards the professional coach. Well, yeah, I think, but I think, look, you got to start somewhere, 
right? Yeah. So if you if you want to be a coach, if you're even if you're coming out of college and stuff like that, you got you got to start somewhere. You can't come out with the arrogance of, well, I I played I, this hypothetical. I played at UCLA. We won a national championship, so I know how to coach and I know how to be a goalkeeper. It, it's just not a fact. And and you you have to like you said, Paul, you know, you went to to conventions, you went to clinics, you, you taught yourself, it wasn't just, like I've always said, it's not just taking a drill and doing the drill, right? right. Because then you're just a trainer, you're right. not a coach. That's a and, point. and that might not fit for the quality or the level of goalkeepers that you have. Yeah, and if you're think- and if you don't understand how to teach a goalkeeper, then, then you're not, in my opinion, you're not a coach, you're just a trainer. I, I think, I, but I think Sus, just kind of getting back to my point there is that all the content that's out there is for people that are professional coaches. So like they see stuff online and it's from Liverpool's U14 Academy. Right. They don't even, they can't go to their sessions. It's so far above where they're at and the level of the players that they're working with. They don't have a roadmap. They don't have a template like Blodge just trying to give them here of like, here's how you work with an eight-year-old, a nine-year-old who's never caught a exactly. ball before. 100%. I mean, it's the yeah. same, like you can equate it. Analogy would be like, like working out. Like we were talking about working out and going on like a, a Peloton app and training, <laughs> training yeah. what they're doing when you're a beginner and you don't know what you're doing and your form is off and your style is off and you don't know what weights do you, you don't know anything. Like you've got to go to beginner class and and learn from there but there isn't that out there you know until now like now now we have that you know and and blodge i want i want to talk about that because like you know the thing is is that you you bring up the u8 age group like you're talking about before they're even in the goals type of thing like you're talking about still like a pug goal type situation right and i think that is I think honestly, more than learning how to teach goalkeepers we need to teach people how to be a grassroots coach in regards to like, what are the behaviors? How do you, how do you get the most out of these players? How do you get them to engage with you? How do mm-hmm. you get them to have a foot good time and want to come back the next week and, and buy a pair of gloves, that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, it's uh, first of all, uh, I didn't want to train uh, eight year olds. Me I either. I didn't want to train them. And, uh, but what was happening is it seemed to be the only inroad for a lot of kids to actually stay with the team because they couldn't do anything on the field. And they said, ah, I'm going to go. And, yep. and then they had some success. And then all of a sudden, you know, now they're goal, they're goalkeepers. But um, what, what, the, what I changed was parents kept coming to me and I said, well, listen, if they want training, I'd rather have somebody like me or knows people that kind of know what they're doing to train them instead of just having somebody come off the streets and just, you know, making these kids dive over barrels and all sorts of, <laughs> and, and, and all sorts of crazy stuff. So, uh, but you're absolutely right. The whole, the whole key with the youngest ages, fun, let them have fun, mm-hmm. you know, teach them a couple basic that the biggest things I try to get the kids to do with that, the youngest ages is to, uh, first of all, have fun, definitely have a good time. And that's, that takes a lot of uh, effort on the coach. I gotta be very honest with you. Uh, but also uh, footwork, getting the body behind the ball and communication. If you, if you can establish that right away, have these kids just run around, but learn to get their bodies behind the ball. So their hands aren't ready for anything uh, coming at them at that point. So, but think of their bodies behind it 
And then you do some hand stuff, you know, play a little catch, mm -hmm. play a little handball, a tag, anything like that, just to get them to do the basics like you would in a gym class, you know, movement exercises. Um, and then uh, one of the things I did at Scotch Plains was um, they'd always get two or three kids from every team in, in, the, in their club to come on Saturday mornings to experiment with the position. So uh, we would sometimes, we have three coaches, sometimes we'd have 25, 30 kids there who would never touch the ball before. So um, that taught me a lot of how to train at age group and how to keep it fun and keep it interesting. But one of the things I used to do was is that I would get two kids to partner up and then I would explain an activity and we slow it down and break it down. And then I would have the kids kind of coach each other. Like, okay, you know, Joey and Joanne and, and, and Mary are going to do this together. Mary, you're going to be the goalkeeper. Joanne, you're going to serve. And if you see something that she's not doing correctly, just help her. And I'll tell you what, just like magic, those kids started help. I couldn't stop them from helping each other. And so it, it what's, engaged a, what's, what's amazing about that <clears throat> and, uh, is that you're also teaching them how in mentally how to understand the position. Exactly. Like they're now they're because now eventually we all say you want your goalkeeper to be able to coach themselves to know, yeah. OK, you know, my body positioning was off. I was off my line too much and stuff like that. And this starts that, you know, this yeah. this is a visual understanding of what's what's proper and what's not proper, even though your body might not be doing it. Your yeah. mind is getting that that image of how it's supposed to be done. Exactly. See, one, one of my phrases is the best way to learn anything is to teach it. So when these kids are actually teaching, doing some work with the other kids, or they're, they're you know subconsciously learning it themselves. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And I and I think that you know the thing I, I love about that you know Blodge is that like I think a lot of times, and this has been a bit big discussion just in regards to child development in general, not just in goalkeeping, is that we we down we downplay the the ability of these people to to be able to comprehend and be able to to enact something um and we just go oh that's an eight-year-old they don't understand this i have to sh i have to do it for them and then they don't create that autonomy and now you're 11 and 12 years old and it's like if you've already been learned behavior of everybody doing it for you then you get in a game and you're just like looking at the sideline what's suskia what's suskia gonna tell me to do <laughs> yeah 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 well, but yeah and it's a great point mike because but you have to people have to remember that children are sponges and they can learn anything. What up until a certain age, they can learn like eight different languages and differentiate between them. You know, like like they are sponges. And what a great time to start to start teaching, and 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 everything. I, I totally agree. Well, the, the problem it runs into at the point. younger ages too is that I, I think the uh, the people who are trying to train the kids, whether it's parents or so on, they get too serious because they don't want to they don't want to make mistakes and how they're what they're teaching the kids. Guess what? It doesn't matter. You know, yeah. it, really, it really does not matter. You disengage them. And if nothing else, if they and eventually you drift away from the position, they'll probably stay with the game. And uh, yeah. that's that's the whole key. You know, I, I always hated seeing kids get involved with the game, whether it's the position or otherwise. And then after three, four years, they're gone. And that bothers yeah. me. That means some, yeah. that means something went wrong with us, the way we were presenting it. You know, yeah. you know, it, it's 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 a phenomenal game. I always say to kids, you know, you chose to be a goalkeeper. Well, you picked the hardest arm position in the game, but you picked the best position in the best game in the world. And um, uh, when they say things like that, you know, they go, 
oh, yeah, this is really something special. So the thing is, it's, these kids, it needs special training. It needs special attention. So give it to them. Make sure they feel special. And uh, if you have to change your approach, if you have to change how you do something, if you have to stop in the middle of your session and completely do something different, that's what you got to learn to do. And that was one of the things that I had to start learning to do because I would go in with a template and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do regardless. And then all of a sudden it wasn't working. And I said, oh, man, this sucks. You know, I mean, I'm not even having fun. So, uh, uh, you know, and then uh, uh, and my biggest fear, to be honest with you, as a coach and in the teacher, the position was doing the same thing over and over again. You know, I would get bored. And that's one of the reasons why I left classroom teaching. I taught for five years and I got bored with it. First of yeah. all, I didn't like people telling me what I had to teach. <laughs> I got my own ideas on that. But um, uh, but I, I, I had to keep it current. I had to keep up with some new ideas. It was so motivating to go into a session and try something new and different every single time that now I can go into a session and I can pick and see something that's not working. I can just come stuff right off the top of my head and get it going. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, Blodge, you, what you brought up right there is in regards to like just the actual in the actual reps that people need to become a good coach. And I love what you said in regards to like, Hey, it doesn't matter if this is right or wrong. You need to get the reps as a young coach anyway. And you know, as long as they're engaging, as long as you're getting them to connect and as long as you're getting them to enjoy the position, you're growing, they're growing, you know, um, I'll, I, I, I guarantee you, I'm sure there's stuff that, you know, someone taught you in third grade. That's very different now, mm -hmm. uh, than it was in third grade. So I think one of the biggest mistakes I made as a, as a young coach is I would get frustrated when I would get a player coming from a different environment. And I'd be like, Oh, they were taught wrong. They were taught wrong and blah, blah, blah. And first off, I didn't recognize the damage I was doing to this child based on telling them that what they had been taught was wrong. Um, because like now, now, now they're doubting themselves in regards to what they can do and everything like that. But also I was completely disrespecting the work that this last person had put in with this player whether I agreed with it or not, they were trying to convey information and teach this kid how to be a goalkeeper. So, and that's the most important part. Well, I think you brought up just a really good point in regard to uh, the consistency of things. Um, one of the problems I have uh, with all the different goalkeeper trainers that are out there is that there's a big lack of consistency in how to develop the kids. Mm -hmm. You know, it comes to a point where, yeah, the many, many different types of approaches are great. But when you're trying to learn skills, um, especially the skills that are as complicated as it can be in our position in, in, in the game, there's got to be some consistency. Like I, I, I would go to a session for the first time and maybe have six, seven kids. And the first thing I would ask them to do is show me your set position. I had six or seven set different set positions. You know, and they say, no, oh, my coach wants my hands down by my feet. The other one wants my hands up here by my head. And it's just a lot of these people don't know the big word is why, you know, if the kids, if, if the kids understand why they're doing something and mm -hmm. it makes sense to them, you got them. You absolutely got them. It's when we go in and say, this is how it has to be done. And this is the only way I'm going to let you do it. That's why we, that's where we destroy the creativity, the, the, uh, the interests and uh, all the fun, you know, we don't, you, help the kids understand why to do things, make it fun for them. Then you'll start seeing them responding really well. 
You know, you just brought up a really good point, Bludge. And for any parents out there who are listening who aren't goalkeeper savants like ourselves, uh, the, the prodigies that we are right here, I'm going to use an example that use an example from an American or more traditional American sport. Obviously, it's a global sport now. Uh, Victor Wembanyama just recently was talking about the fact that like he he doesn't he's not really a post up player. He doesn't really enjoy playing you know back to the basket, everything like that. Um, if somebody had said, "Hey, you're seven foot five. This is how you have to play." He wouldn't be the player that he's starting to become, you know, in in the NBA, you know, because everyone finds ways that are effective for them, and you want to utilize people's strengths regardless of how you think they should play. I mean, Blodge, look at the pool of the of, the, of all the profiles of all the goalkeepers in a college, and like, if all of them moved exactly the same, if all of them played exactly the same, why would you be recruiting the same player over and over again? Is basically <laughs> what you're point. doing, right? Very good point. You want yeah. versatility. You want different types, right, Susk? Does that make any sense? No, it does. I think back to what Blodge was saying, though, I think that there are some like fundamental basics and like, you know, there is wiggle room within those. But OK, so take the kid that his his coach told him to keep the hands wide and low by the sides. And the question is, why? Right. Why? Is that because you keep giving up low balls <laughs> shots? And they think your coach thinks that if your hands are like wide and low, that maybe that'll help. Right. So, well, no, there's so many more fundamentals on why you're giving up low balls to your left and your right that we can fix with proper positioning, proper footwork, um, proper set position. um, And now your hands in a more natural position, not like what, or the kid that has, is that because you're just, is that because your coach is saying you're giving up hand, high balls because you're eight years old and you're in a goal that's too big for you anyway? Like, like, so there, the why is the question. And if you can explain to the kids and it's not like, this is the right, this is the only way, this is the right way. It's yes. You want to utilize their strengths, their natural athleticism and build off of that. But let's talk about this. And they're not too young to talk about it. Yeah. You know, they're not yeah. too young to understand. And once they understand something, then they'll see it in their head and they'll they'll get it and they'll kind of believe in that and keep building on that. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the difficult thing is, is that when you talk about consistency, Blodge, you know, at the younger ages is that it's you can have an eight year old who's five foot five with long arms and long legs and everything's dangling and another one that's four foot two and everything's still very tight and compact. It's like, well, it's, we can teach them the same habits, the same techniques, but we're going to give you getting different results. And I think kids mm-hmm. compare each other to each other. How do we make sure that they don't go, but you know, Johnny is making saves like that. Why can't I do that? You know, why do we, how do we do that? So that it doesn't affect their ego first off. And then second of all, they understand the why and why, why it's, it works for one person and it doesn't work for another person and what they can do that works for them. Yeah. You know, I think it's, uh, uh, the OI, the, the old thing about coming in about it's okay to make mistakes is very important. And that's gotta be taught immediately. Um, because the kid who was four foot two, uh, is not going to be able to maybe move and cover that what's behind him or her that well, where the taller kid just by a step and being gangly might have some success, yeah. you know? So you got to support the fact that, okay, everybody does develop differently. Um, and I tell them not even worry about balls of water ahead in the corners. I mean, you, you know, and, and that's, that's part of the psychological part of training young kids is that 
Mm-hmm. Here they are in goal, and they, and somebody comes in and scores. The ball is in the upper ninety, for Christ's sakes, you know. And the kid, there's no chance that they could ever get there. And the team is going nuts because they scored a goal. The rest of the team's looking around. Why did you save that? The parents are going crazy. Yep. I mean, that is a very, very difficult thing for a young kid to deal with, and they feel, and we lose a lot of kids because of that, you know, because it's I'm never going to get there. One hundred percent, because and especially at that age, the look at the scores of the games. I mean, you're talking about like eight to ten or whatever, you know, because because certain things they're just not there yet, and they're not going to get to. And and like I'm not saving balls in the upper ninety, not like a lot of the time. Well, okay, maybe, but 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 it's so important because to see the reaction of the the people around is just. That's why you lose goalkeepers, and I yeah. totally agree with you. You know what? What I do is is uh, I start out trying to teach the kids to defend a two yard goal, and that's it. You know, just yeah. a two yard goal. You know, it, it just get good at getting your body and your footwork going, so your your body is covering two yards. Once you've mastered the two yard goal, then let's move it out to three. Yep. And then when you get master three, then get out, move it out to four. Now, when you think about it. We, as even at the older ages, you do really do not need to worry about mastering an eight yard goal. You know, if you can cover four yards up to five yards, that last yard, yard and a half to get to the post is just courage anyway. You know, if you if you can really move very quickly uh, over four yards, a quick step, step and a half to get to that two yard mm-hmm. to your right and then just go, you know, and uh, it, by 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 having these kids learn this to uh, protect a small goal first and build it out, that builds your confidence a lot. Then you go, oh, okay, I don't have to worry about that ball that's off there, three yards off over my head already. Well, well, also, Vlad, you're not, you know, how (laughs) to cover the full goal, how often are you dead center in a goal covering a full goal? That's true. (laughs) You know, like like when angles come into play and depending on the where the shot's coming from, you're really only covering a few yards um, with your body positioning, with your distance off your line and everything like that. So you're never covering eight yards. And so, so that being taught and starting with young kids, I totally agree with you, but it, you know, but the coaches and the parents and the other kids on the field have to understand that as well. Like so many kids, like, like in club, just seeing the, I just keep going back to those reactions, like, and people getting mad. And it's like, that's, you know, that's why I said sometimes when you watch these young kids play in a, a full goal, I'm like, they're not ready to play in a full goal. No, no, not even, not even close. And that's, and that's part of the culture that's got to change. You know, I mean, it's, uh, you have to have people in your organization in the know about goalkeeping in order to show that the proper environment is there for these kids to be able to develop in a proper way. Yeah. You know, that's why I, I, you know, and it still exists today. And I can't, I still cannot understand why this exists where, okay, the field players have the fields. You guys go off to the side and do something for a while and we'll get you in there. Well, first of all, what does that really send them? What kind of a message are you sending you know, what kind of a message are you sending? And, and it's not the right message. It's the most important position on the field. You have to cater to these to these kids so they have the tools that are necessary so they can learn what tool to use during what situation to have success. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that if you don't. I I cannot understand how we they expect us to train kids when, when you're not even having an 18-yard box. And I said this. I was when I was, coach, when I was coaching club out here. 
I was like, put up an 18 yard, like mark off an 18 yard box for me off the field over there. Like if yeah. you're, if, if this, if this age group is using this field and this age group is using this field and you're telling me I got to go find a space off the field and to train the keepers. And I don't even have a, I'm like, just paint a box for me and I'll put the goal there. And so at least I can get them using their peripheral, understanding where they are, like spatially and stuff like that. Like, you know, when you got the, the goalkeepers off behind a goal somewhere, kicking balls yeah. at each other, it's like. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, well, and, I, I, oh, go, go ahead, Bodge. No, 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 go ahead. That's, uh, I was just going to keep going on that. That's fine. No, I, I was just I was just about to say in regards to that, I think, you know, one of the things that we really need to stress to any young coaches out there is that you need to make your voice heard and you need to communicate with your with your yes. department and, and your club, because the problem is like no disrespect to our position or, or, or any of the jobs at the club, but the director you know, we're just as important. It's just as the same thing as they're focusing on like, where are the kit bags? Like, you know, are the balls in the shed? You know, like these parent volunteers are supposed to be at blah, blah, blah at six o'clock. So the last thing they're thinking about is like the dimensions of goalkeeper training. So yeah, yeah. you need, you need to tell them mm -hmm. what you need in order to be successful. You can't just assume that they're going to give you the tools to be successful because they've got 50 other things that they're dealing with. Yeah, you're absolutely yep. right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I want to talk about this uh, blodge really quickly. Um, sure. uh, before we get into the the older age groups right here, because I think a lot of people when they think grassroots, they think oh eight, nine, ten. No, mm -hmm. there's grassroots at 16, 17, 18. There's the high school level. You know, uh, there there's a lot, a lot, a lot of grassroots goalkeeping out there. Um, that that a lot of people need need structure and a lot of help. Um. What are your thoughts, Blodge, on working on flighted balls even or even back to the bar at the foundational ages? Do you even do it or is it like a waste of time because like it's not even the demands of their game like until they get onto a bigger field? I I don't really teach high ball much stuff much at all when they're younger. I really don't. Uh, I'll teach the footwork. Mm. You know, you can do the footwork and stuff like turning and running back to the bar or to the post or something like that. Uh, and maybe... Uh, get them there and, and, and have them chase a low ball while they're doing that. But the hand eye is not there, you know, and these kids will go up and my biggest fear is the shape of their hands. These kids are all, you know, they got their wrists going back. If I get the camera in here like that. Like well, flat handed. Yeah. yeah. And there's, there's a buckle fracture waiting to happen. That's the number <laughs> one injury for kids because when that thing comes out that they're just going like this, like, you know, don't let it hit me. So, um, Whenever I train the younger kids, I say no balls above the waist. Everything's on the ground. Everything's from the waist and down. And then because that's what's important. And because um, uh, I'll tell you what, I, the kids are breaking their wrists left and right because they're being thrown in the goal without being taught. They're being thrown in the goal when they should be handling those kinds of balls anyway. Yeah. Like, you know, like eight-year-olds don't. You know, you, there's no goalkeepers in eight-year-old games, nine-year-old games. You know, I mean – uh, and I don't think, I don't think the powers to be really think about those kinds of things, you know, and now that kid's out six weeks, bad experience. Now I get recovered from an injury. And guess what? They'll go back in. They might do it again. So, uh, no, I don't teach high balls. I, I, I'll wait them till they get up to probably like, now start 10 years old. I start tossing some things in, um, uh, for 10 and up, but eight, nine. Now I don't really care about it. I mean, I will sometimes will we'll take a smaller ball and maybe toss it in there just to have my idea how to catch it a little bit, but it's not one of my key elements as far as, um, uh, 
trying to make sure they master at that age. I mean, as you just brought up a really good point, Blodge Suskin, in, in regards to like the hand-eye coordination, like it, it's hard enough for a 17 year old to handle a cross, <laughs> let alone, let alone an 11 year old handling a cross. That's a great point, man. That, all that experience, right? All that experience and training and they, and they oh, still who, have to... And who can cross a ball at eight years old, really? I mean, I know there's some kids out there, but but what am I going to kick? I'm going to hit you a banger from the touch sideline and expect an eight year old to come out and catch it. Like well, you're bringing up, you're bringing up a very good point there, Saskia, with, <laughs> with these coaches, the grassroots coaches. Like, who's going to serve the ball? You know, I mean, uh, you uh, maybe the younger kids can hit balls back and forth on the ground to each other, okay? Because they're working their passing game with the field players, but trying to drive a ball mid level. You know, uh, trying to maybe work on a high ball for some reason, and and who's going to be able to kick the ball there? So you're some of these a lot of coaches who grassroots coaches get in there, and they can't really kick either because they've never really played the game before. So you have to kind of learn how to to vary your approach on teaching certain aspects of the, uh, the technical aspects of the game, so that the kids have the success. That's that's what the most important thing is. And if I like your point. It's okay yeah. to teach foot the footwork. Yeah. But get the cat get the fundamentals of handling the ball properly down first. Yeah. You know, exactly. and if they're if their hand positioning and everything is right and you know that is then then you you build to that with age. Yeah, I agree. Um so let's let's talk about this now, Blodge. You know, okay. we, we we we've been talking about the youngers now, and now we're talking about you know, you've obviously got a book out in regards to the that that middle group. You know, that U twelve to U fourteen group. I think this is kind of the forgotten group that U sixteen to U eighteen training group because I think a lot of people go like, oh, when they do U sixteen U eighteen training stuff, when I see it online and everything like that, it's like, you know, getting re- division one level college type level players or you know high level ECNL or MLS next or all that, but. But 99.9% of the goalkeepers out there are not playing at that level. They're playing in high school. They're playing at, a, at smaller clubs and, and everything like that. And how do we, how do we work in that environment now? Because now we might have some goalkeepers that have some knowledge and then some made that might be a little bit raw or who maybe are a great athlete. Look at Matt Turner, 16 years mm-hmm. old, you know, came from baseball, was raw and, uh, you know, rest is history. So that's, that's a, uh, that's a, actually a fantastic question. And, um, uh, what I think is important when you get to the older age groups is to start teaching. And this is kind of what's the whole book, all the lesson plans are about is teaching in sequences. And what do I mean by that is let's say, uh, okay, it's, 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 uh, it's a uh, we three right now. And Saskia is in the goal. Um, uh, you're maybe you're doing a pass back with your, with your feet, Mike, and, and I'm going to maybe volley a ball at or something simple like that with a footwork pattern in between. Okay. So she sets up and looks at you and asks for the ball. Maybe she does a two-touch back to you with perfection, with communication, asking for the ball and then communicating it coming out. Then she'll do a footwork pattern over mm-hmm. to me, proper set position, uh, catch a volley to the, to, the, to the face or something like that, and then throws the ball back to me properly. Mm, thank you. With communication, and then <laughs> jogs back and recovers. So now in that little sequence right there, you've got eight, ten, eight to ten things. Okay which is asking for the ball, proper technique and cleaning up, proper passing, proper foot back, footwork, set proper set position, proper catch, proper distribution back to the other server, and all doing that to a point where you are in every single moment. And this is the method I kind of tr- uh, created. 
And um, I harp on it all the time and it works to perfection because what you're actually doing is you're training the person's mind to stay within moments and in sequences in the game. So uh, if you practice like that all the time, sometimes you get up to 12, 14, 15 different parts of a sequence. And if the kids can learn to stay in every single part of it, execute it properly with communication and good form, all of a sudden they're doing it all the time. They get in the game. It's just very natural. They're now yeah. they don't have to worry about the footwork, the communication, or the proper. Now but they can start. Nature. Yeah, they can start thinking about the game now and seeing what's breaking down. So it's a, I think it's an incredibly valuable way to teach the position, and that's what the older age groups are about. It's getting your minds more ready to play the games. Yes, you have to have technical perfection, and and if I can include, you know, input this right now. The important part of technical development is how you finish the catches. To me, if you master the finish to a good athletic proper finish, okay, uh, if you will master the finish, everything, I always believe everything leading up to the finish is going to be correct. You know, I don't like seeing people catch a ball and leave it outside their bodies. You know, to me, that's being lazy. Um, or like say, go down for a, a scoop catch. And the ball's off to the right foot and they stay, they stiffen up. They don't stay fluid through the catch. So they're not concentrating on the finish. All they're trying to do is concentrate and then securing the ball in some method. Well, it's the, it's the finish that's important. And that's what polishes you. You know, when you start going to in a high school level or, or club level, and now you're going out and doing these ID camps and everything. If you have your technique down and you're fluid and you're proficient, you're going to get noticed. I always say coaches can tell a goalkeeper's technique in five minutes. Easily, yeah. You know, you can tell who's got technique or not. Now, 90, 90 seconds. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. So then now uh, concentrate on them about what they do in the matches. But I still honestly believe that if you train your minds to stay in sequences during the training process, it will develop their minds for the game. They will find it easier to stay within moments in the game instead of spacing out and that's a lot of places where we break down. You, you know, I'm just I'm laughing because I just what just it's just how I played. So it's like yeah, obviously Blodge yeah, was my coach. So <laughs> like, and it's how I coach. So it's just like obviously Blodge was my coach. So it's like I've taken this stuff into my life and on and passed it on and stuff. It just makes me smile. Like, and that's yeah. the and that's the greatest compliment. Thanks. Thanks. Well, Thank you. Well, what's interesting, Sus, because, you know, just I'm thinking about what Blodge is saying about in regard to doing all these things and that, you know, at the older ages, it's about, you know, multiple, multiple actions at one time and understanding how to incorporate those within the game. Well, because I look at it as like but really quickly before I say that is just like I, I want to say is like when you get somebody who's like 16 years old and they've never played goalkeeper before, I'm almost kind of thinking of it the same way as like a kid that needs to catch up in school. Like they go to a new school and like the kids are ahead of them in reading or something like that. Well, you give them the tools so they can do this on their own, but you can't focus your energy on teaching a 16 year old how to catch when you got four other goalkeepers that are at another level on that already. Right. Yeah. I think, I think, my key takeaway from what Blanche said is like, it's, it's the finished part. It's, it's, you know, how many times have we trained that age group when, you know, they're going through the drill, they don't throw the, they don't distribute properly back to you. Yeah. Right. Because they want to get back to the start of the drill and do it again. Yeah. Right. 
And when, let's say we're doing the drill you talked about and Mike, you pass the ball into to me or into the player. And I'm not, I don't do a quality two touch back to you because I'm more worried about getting through the footwork part of the drill and getting the blodge to get my volley, you know? And so that you have to, as a coach, slow that down and say, no, you focus on every single aspect of this. You know, nothing comes before the proper positioning on the pass back, one, two touch, a quality touchback. Then you focus on your, your footwork. Then you focus on your set position. Then you focus on your handling. Then you focus on your distribution. And to try and to train the mind like that, I agree with you. Then everything becomes eventually second nature. And you're you doing know everything awesome. quality. Yeah. use The optimal word you said in there is slow things down. Mm -hmm. The um, and that's what is repeated in my book constantly. The the old way of training goalkeepers is to beat the hell out of them. Yeah. You know, make them work, 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 work. And uh, okay, and so, so many reps, so many yeah, reps. So yeah, they're tired. So, yeah. And so what you're doing <laughs> is okay. You're working on fitness, and you're working on reaction time, but you're not working on perfection of a of a of a technique. You know, you're not working on a, it. So it's. <laughs> They're very good reactionary goalkeepers, but are they very good technical goalkeepers? Right. You know, and it's too bad because some of these kids, all they got to do is just repeat te technique correctly, slow it down, feel the finish. I always say feel the finish, feel it. And then and these kids don't get that. They, yeah. they just want to catch and throw it back because you, like you're saying, Saskia, they want to go right back into the next rep. It takes a lot of time for these kids to learn to slow down. Take your time. Then you'll get there. Yeah, and you I don't need and coaches out there. And I know we've talked about this, Mike, about the pressure from parents. Like they want to see their kid basically like dragging ass into the car at the end of a session and stuff like that. And that's what they think meant it was a good session. Yeah. Um, but you don't need to do 15 reps to the point that the, the, your goalkeeper, your goalkeeper's um, technical foundation is breaking down because they're tired they're so tired right well, so, no, but, but hold on because then all you're doing is really is reinstilling retraining bad habits right so you want i want let's say seven because it's my lucky number i want seven sharp technically sound reps take it slow get through it and we could do we could do 15 segments of that if i wanted to but i want seven and that's it Here's your number. Let's get it done. Let's get it done technically perfect. And oh, exactly. and that's your repetition. I don't need you going and going and going and going and going and going. And then exactly. I'm just training bad habits. Exactly. Well, I want to, I want to bring it back to the, the sports psych element of this really quickly though, because like, I, I agree completely in, in regards to what you're saying in regards to the repetitions, but I think I had this conversation with, with a sports psych person recently in regards to that middle age group that, 12, 13, 14 year old. And we were discussing 12, 13, 14 year old boys and the competition factor. That whole age is about, I, I want to win. I want to be better than so-and-so I'm in, They're a little bit insecure and it's all about, they see it as a race. And so it's like the difficulty for me. And I try to, and I, I, I keep working on it is how do I convey that information to them? Blodge, because like what you're saying is right. But if you're 12 and 13 years old, like when the reason they're rushing through it, in my opinion, from what I've just been talking with sports psych is because they want to compete the final action because they see that as winning the game. They see that as ending the game because they see the drill as the game, as opposed to add activity to get ready for the game. 
That's a phenomenal point you bring it up. Uh, what what I would do in those situations is shorten the bouts, mm. but make them competitive. Mm. Um, so, for example, uh, instead of doing the you know, Saskia's magic number of seven, which I'm the same way, I'll do like a, I want to do a certain number of things too. Um, okay, we're going to have a competition to see if we can do three of each of these things to a point where you get a point for every time that you do it type of thing. Okay. So you can have, uh, 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 you know, partners or maybe a third person, a third person is actually doing the calculations if you want, and then, and you compete that way. Um, but it, it, it's a very, very good point. And it takes a lot of effort. And this is the difference between a trainer mm-hmm. and, a, and a coach, a trainer wouldn't give it darn. Go right ahead. No, just do a thousand things. Go ahead. And then all of a sudden these kids are, are, are two, you know, two, three years behind because all they've been doing is just working their butts off and not working anything technical at, at perfection. Yep. There's ways to incorporate. There, there's a, it's funny. There's a, um, a director of a club in Jersey that kind of courted me for a while to take over the club goalkeeper coaching stuff. Um, and he, he, he took me out to lunch and he said, uh, Blige, the biggest thing happens is that my goalkeepers don't compete. And which shocked me. And because we're all about competition. But I, uh, if you want to, if there, if you want to really add a very serious competition level to it, end in a competition. Mm-hmm. Whether like shot, I, I created a game called Shadow. The kids love it. That's all they want to play, to be honest with you. But it's like, a, you know, it's the same thing. Goalie wars. They love goalie wars. Anything they can do to compete. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like, OK, um, if you want the cookie, you got to have the, you know, if you want to eat, uh, have the pudding, you got to eat your meat. OK, so uh, this this is stuff we're going to do. We're going to master this little segment here. We won't do it for too long, mm-hmm. but then we're going to compete. You can go. Um Always ending. I always see. <laughs> yeah, there you go. No, no, <laughs> see, yeah. always ending no, yeah. some competition. But I think it's what's interesting about that, you know, Sask is like, you know, what what Blodge is saying is, and in regards to like, I think one of the problems with the reason kids rush through things is because we don't put any stakes on them giving a bad distribution, you know, not catching the ball clean. And if there's stakes on, and I don't mean punishment, I don't mean they're doing pushups, but I mean like, that rep doesn't count. That's your your team doesn't get that point unless it's a full on hold and you hold yeah. and then it's the quality distribution. And otherwise I'm not counting that rep. And then all of a sudden they, it starts getting ingrained in them. Oh, there's stakes here. I'm invested. And cause I think honestly, I think seventh, eighth graders, like they need, they need to feel stakes. Otherwise they don't and Mike, they move on good, to what they think is important. Yeah. But Mike, that's a, that's exactly point. what Pledge is saying. That's a great way to do it. You know? Yeah. Okay. You know, you, ha- you get five points for this r- round, right? If, I can deduct and that goes to your team and I can conduct deduct if your two touch pass back wasn't clean, right? If your footwork wasn't clean, I can deduct a point. If you're handling, if you dropped the ball, if you didn't get your body behind it or your positioning, I can deduct a point. And if you didn't distribute back properly, I can deduct a point, you know? And so that mentally, absolutely. Cause then they're going to be like, I want all the points I can have. And they're going to focus on each thing. And yes, at that age group, you can play around with stuff like that. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, what I do is uh, sometimes you know you get so busy you really can't have the time to do the counting. But yeah, you know, but you know they're not. Doing but they'll count. Correctly. Yeah, they'll so count. I'll say, so I'll, say, <laughs> I'll say, okay, I gave you ninety-five. You didn't get a hundred. You go, why not? Well, because you didn't finish your catch, or you yeah. didn't distribute the ball back. 
or you didn't communicate on your distribution and you keep telling and they get ticked off, you know, they get oh, and then, but the other kids will sit there and be like, that wasn't clean. That wasn't yeah, clean. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then they're they're getting south. competitive because they want to win. They're, so, getting yeah. competitive. they're like, Hey, that wasn't a clean pass back. No, that wasn't, you know, so they'll do it. <laughs> they'll do it for you. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Susk, you just brought up a really good point is that now you're teaching them to, be Visualize. able to yeah and be able and be able to mm -hmm. see what's quality and what's not quality because they're looking out for it oh and they'll best get mad learn, at you if you best way to learn anything to teach it best way to learn anything to teach it yep that no that's that's brilliant right there Blodge, i, I got a quick question for you and, and, and i know we'll, we'll start wrapping up soon okay. and i you know uh because i'm sure you've got you know a thousand other things that uh that you need you need to get done but we appreciate nothing, you more, nothing better than this so guys <laughs> <laughs> um i, I want to ask you in regards to because of the conversation i had the other day um and there's a big debate here on exploration versus coaching how long do you let an activity where players get consistently scored on or things are not going quote unquote correct before you step in and coach and do you step in and coach or do you wait until the activity's over and then provide feedback to the entire group? Like what, what are your thoughts on that? And I know it's all well, personal. Yeah, yeah, it is. But what's been, what I have found very, very successful is I basically coach during the run of play kind of thing. Like if we're just get right back to our little training thing with Husky, you and me, um, I might, if they're not doing what, if they're not completing the sequences, right. I'll say, Okay. Communicate two touch chop step set position. I just say, I'll just kind of just sort of verbally say, mm -hmm. you know, break the segments down. And then all of a sudden they're doing the communication, the footwork, right? Now you don't, you don't have to do that. You can concentrate more on, on uh, the other aspects of building up the, the sequence. And in when you're in training with your team and so on, um, I, I, what I did a lot when I, at TCNJ, which really amazed I had to do it, to be honest with you. These goalkeepers are technically very good, but they didn't know the game. Mm -hmm. They just didn't know the game. So during their uh, – they would rotate. We had three goalkeepers. Each one is for a certain number of reps. I would bring the other two out and say, okay, watch what's going on out here. Okay, where's the ball coming from? Mm -hmm. You know, what is a player doing? Is it turning? Is that two-touch? They do a give and go. I mean, you just start pointing things out. It, it, it's a time-honored thing now. They're, you know, the really sharp ones will start picking up quicker. But a lot of these kids, it took me, well, sometimes a year, year and a half of doing that type of ta ta uh, tactical um, education during the training sessions. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, bang, they got it. And then when they got it, then you watch them do it in the game and then just keep reinforcing it. And then all of a sudden they're coming up at you and asking you questions. What about this coach? I see that all of a sudden their vision is opened up. Because the problem is, if you're not technically proficient, you're worrying about catching the ball. You're not worried about what the hell you if you got you know what type of system is coming at you. Mm -hmm. um, and and um, but so I kind of did that, but I also would stop the play after if it got to a flagrant point where you're making the same. It's like anything else, okay? Yeah. I, I'm, if you're going to hit your head ten times against the wall, you're not going to do something different. <laughs> you're going to get mush mind, all right? So let's kind of stop that before you bruise the hell out of yourself, and then and bring it up to a point where you start to understand it. So. Uh, that's that's a that's a tough one, Mike. That's a, that's a tough one. 
you know, I think, uh, you know, one of the things I think there's, there's no right or wrong. And I was having this, right. when I was having this discussion with the sports psych, they were saying is, you know, there's no right or wrong. You have to find first off what's comfortable with you. And you also have to find what resonates with your group within your environment, because it might be that for, for different goalkeepers, they work better when people are engaging with them constantly. And you might find other four goalkeepers. It works better when you let them figure things out on their own. And then you just, dis- and then you discuss it later. And then also it depends on the level too. Yeah. The level that you're working with, if it's MLS next, it might be different than you're working with a, you know, a, 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 a lower, uh, more foundational, um, you know, uh, goalkeeper. So, well, you know, I, I, really think, I think this is where the mentoring comes in, mm. you know, and the relationship building. To me, that's my favorite part of this whole darn thing anyway, is helping somebody get better at doing something and watch them grow and develop as a result. Mm-hmm. One of my biggest lessons was. When I got to Rutgers, Bob Riasa said, listen, I'm not going to tell you what to do with the goalkeeper. Just go out and do it. I said, oh, boy, you know, I better start learning something real fast here. Uh, my first two goalkeepers I had uh, were big, strong, brute force type of keepers, blue collar workers, wanted to get the, you know, the crap kicked out of them. Then I, I discovered Joe DeMorat at a camp in, in Lawrenceville and uh, probably the purest athlete I've ever worked with. Corey Hunter was close. And um, uh, if not equal, but Joe DeMorat was the smoothest athlete. Uh, he was a cat, great hands, fluid, just a pure, pure joy to watch. Well, three week, three days into preseason camp, Joe was a freshman, Dave Yeager, blue collar, third guy, third year guy. I was training Joe the same way I trained Dave, beating the hell out of him basically until I learned better. Three days in, he comes in the office with Bob and myself, sitting down, started crying. He said, I can't train this way. I don't like it here. I want to get out. And I said, and I felt personally responsible for that because I was the one that got him there. And now I'm not taking care of this kid who I. So <laughs> this is what Joe wanted to do. We had a jugs machine back then. Okay. Joe wanted me to turn that thing up to 100 miles an hour to the top of the 18 <laughs> until he caught 20 balls in a row. He said, coach, I'm ready. And then he was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. So I just learned just to get him ready, make him feel good. And that's, that's what I started learning. In, why I started having a lot of success at TCNJ with the, with the women goalkeepers is because I got them comfortable. I got them confident. I got them feeling that they could do basically anything. Mm-hmm. And I would teach them some new things. But it was just a matter of of uh, uh, kind of molding who their what their personalities were into the position to take on a leadership role. And I, I got to be honest with you, it was it was magical. It really was magical to watch and experience as as a coach. You, you know, I, I love what you were just saying right there, Blodge, in regards to that comfortability thing. You know, mm-hmm. um, as we start wrapping up, Susk, I, I just want to you know talk about in regards to like the parents role the grass in the grassroots world. And I think one of the things that I, I want to really stress to parents, and I don't know how, how you feel about this is that I don't like parents reaching out to me to train their goalkeeper, you know, their young goalkeeper before a match on the weekend, they go, Hey, hey so-and-so is playing this afternoon. Gets train at 9. AM on Saturday. And I said, I don't want to do that because the last thing I want them doing is thinking about their session and thinking about what we just did when they get into the game, what, what are, what are your thoughts on that? No, I, <laughs> it's ridiculous. She's obviously got strong thoughts on it. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous yeah. because, because you're 
focus and if you're teaching even at the grassroots level how to become uh, move up in the goalkeeping world grow with goalkeeping go, grow with the sport itself and everything like that you're you, prepare for the game <laughs> like do your ritual do your routine get up have the breakfast you you always like to have before a game you know if you want to go for a walk go for a walk and stuff like that there's no reason to go through an hour training session with your goalkeeper at a different field go home eat lunch come back go to a game or even after the game Okay. Oh, my, oh, I get that one too. Oh, so and so just finished <laughs> finished this at two. Can we train at four? Or even no, let him do let him do something else. Let him be with his team. Let him go for ice cream or go yeah. go 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 wherever they want to go. Let him go do something else. Let him get the the win. Let him celebrate the win or get the loss out of his head. But you see that all the time. No, I don't agree with it. It's game day. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know. You know. I think it's uh, part of our responsibility. It's part of the grassroots uh, development of it too. Is the parents. You know, it, it's you have to educate them and train them as, and help them understand as much through the kids because they have no no idea, yeah. none. And I always want to I, I encouraged conversation with the parents as long as it didn't get out of control. But um, I wanted them to understand why I was doing what I was doing with your kids. Mm -hmm. I think Mike, maybe as you brought up earlier, how they said just uh, the, the parents just want to or maybe it was soft. You just wanted to work the hell out of the kids. Yeah. They would come up to me and say, listen, make sure you work them really hard. Oh, I said, yeah. I say, that's okay. I, I got it. You know, I, 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 <laughs> I know what I'm doing here. So, but then I would explain to them um, what we did, why we did it. And this is what you need to watch for. Cause mm -hmm. I think part of the whole goalkeeper culture thing is educating parents so they understand the position so they can support it properly instead of having that ride home with a kid, let the ball go between his legs, you know, uh, had a bad game and they sit all the way home with no conversation instead of trying yeah. to get it out in front a little bit. And, and I, I, I think it's important for the parents. That's why parents have got to get on sites like yours. They got to get on sites like the, you know, the UGKA, anything that's out there that helps education of the position, parents have to get involved because the more you learn and understand the position, the better off you are and you're supporting the growth and development of your son or daughter, mm -hmm. making them, I don't, I always tell kids this. I don't care if you're going to be a professional goalkeeper. I don't care if you if, if you don't want to be the national team goalkeeper. I said, I want to teach you. I'll be thankful to teach you for you being the best that you can be so you can uh, enjoy the game at whatever level you want to play. And you know what that kind of does? It kind of relaxes the kids right away that they don't have to be perfect. They don't have to reach such high levels that they, in their minds, they have no idea what that level is, mm -hmm. you know? It's a process. We're going to make it a process. We're going to have fun doing it, but I'm going to demand certain things. I'm going to demand perfection of certain things. And, um, uh, and you know, I'm lucky guys because I've had a great deal of success. And, you know, when I have worked with kids who are, some of them are nine years old and I work them all the way through college, guess what? They had great careers and, and I could see it help them along the way. And, and there's still some of my closest people today, like, you know, with Saskia, I got to say, when Sasha, one of the best moments I've ever had as a coach is when Sasha got inducted into the Mercer County Hall of Fame and she invited me to, to sit at the table with her parents. And I had no idea what was going to go on, but what Sasha said to me in public about what I did for her, and I'm actually starting to get a little emotional about it right now, was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. And I left her going, that's why I do it. That's exactly why I get into what I do is because to hear something like that from somebody I've known for <laughs> how many years and it's still an influence, then that's what that's what really matters. So as as a as a 
coach and a mentor and a developer in the position. Those are what you should strive for. Those are things you should strive for. Help the kids develop to whatever level it's going to be, but let them enjoy it. Let them learn from it. Let them use what they uh, learn in your training and in the game to help them become better people. One of the things Lubash always says before uh, Lubash Hansen up at, at Rutgers when we're at PDA, by the way, personally, one of the best goalkeeper coaches out there. He's a- absolutely phenomenal. Um, he always says, uh, we ask three things, listen and apply, work hard, be a good human being. Mm-hmm. You do those three things. Guess what? That's a great. That's a great lesson for life. So uh, that's uh, 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 if if you keep as a teacher or a mentor of the position or in any type of thing that you're doing, if you always keep your students at the top of your interests and your desires instead of yourself, you will have a lot of success. You have a lot of enjoyment. I'm very fortunate because I thank God I reached knock on wood the level I've reached in this position in the game. Uh, because when I reached at a certain level of success, because I'd never really be honest with you guys, even in college, I had no idea this is what I would do. Because I was a basketball player, you know. And even when I started coaching, I still had no idea this is what I would do. But when I see of all the people that I have touched that are still a major part of my life today, that's what that's what it's all about. So that's what you can achieve by getting out of yourself and giving. That's mm-hmm. the key. If keep giving, it's all about them. It's not about you whatsoever. You just, if you fall on your face doing it, fall on your face doing it. But just keep up, get up and trying to help them get better and better and keep giving. And that old adage, more, the more you give, the more you receive, that's universal. And that's a higher power thing, okay? Because I am the most rewarded person on the face of the earth because of the success I've had with the kids and because of what they have done for me. So that's why I do it. Sorry. I got it. No, no, that's, <laughs> I think, I think you've just summed up the roadmap right there. The, 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 the eventual goal of the roadmap right there is, uh, is, is the giving and, uh, and, 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 you know, uh, giving back to people and, and having changed their lives. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I really, I think that's kind of where we wrap up this whole thing. I'm getting emotional cool. right here. Um, either that, you know, cry together. Yeah. <laughs> It's either that, you know, it's, it's, it's either that or I'm stuffed up, you know, you can yeah, go, there, you can use your imagination. You can use your imagination on which, which, which one, which one it is. Well, Blodge, we really appreciate you taking the time, man. Obviously if people want to check out the book, um, it's, it, is it available yet? Is the new one available yeah. yet? Okay. Yeah. The, uh, the uh, 16 to 18 is still the one that's out. It's on, um, uh, just go to the title on Amazon. You'll get it. Uh, I was told by my publisher today that the, uh, uh, youth edition should be out within the next four or five days. And then we're finalizing the, the uh, junior edition, um, which should be probably within the next two weeks. And boom, we're done. That whole thing is out there. So um, uh, it's you're been a long keep, process. You're going to keep sending them to me, right? <laughs> Whatever you want, Tosca. I want them I might, all. I might even deliver them in person one of these days. Which is I really want them all. I want them all. <laughs> Absolutely. You got, it, you got it, kid. Yeah. That's just that's just because that's just because want to get out of the Jersey weather. That's that's, that's... <laughs> always there's always you're always invited. Open door, open door. Hey, hey, Blodge, Sask yeah. needs somebody to help with the sandbags this weekend. So feel free. <laughs> no, I left them. No, in- hey, look, uh, my knee. I got this. I'm only four weeks off for knee replacement. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's okay. That's why I left. The, that's why I left them in place. I'm like I'm not moving <laughs> damn things again. Yeah, well, how, how, how is it out there, you guys? You guys drowning <laughs> yeah, or what? Three- 
Well, I'm okay right now, but we got three more storms, and I live in Topanga, off to Topanga Canyon. So whenever you're watching like nightly news with Brian Gumble, like, and they're just like, uh, oh, Topanga Canyon. There's Saskia's house going underwater. (laughs) Although I'm kind of on a slant, so the water goes rushing by. But um, (laughs) we got three more storms in the next, I think, the next 14 days. So we'll see what happens. I left the sand. You guys be safe out there, man. You guys be safe. It's crazy. Mike's in Hollywood in a high rise. Oh, you up the next to the sign sign there, Mike? Is that you up there? No, 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 no. No, I'm I'm more. uh, I'm. I'm 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 more near uh the uh the uh rock and roll Ralph's grocery store on Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's a, I used that's to love that store. So that store is great. <laughs> I lived right there. That store is crazy. Some interesting people watching open there. Well, 24, well, it's, it's open 24 hours. That's why it's rock and roll Ralph. Oh Jesus. Oh my gosh. Well guys, okay. if you want to if you oh go ahead, Budge. I just want I just want to thank you too. Uh just for, for let me get on. I always enjoy your company and always enjoy talking with you guys. But give me a chance to this this is like the culmination of if you want to know what my last 50 years has been like <laughs> there, here it is okay 50 years so um uh, i appreciate it thank you oh I'm, 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 you know that's the abridged version what are you talking about like you're <laughs> that's a cliff that's a cliff notes of the last 50 years i don't think I'll, you know for people out there who don't know like every time you go to convention Blodge is always in a suit because he's got another All-American. So, <laughs> well said, Mike. Well said. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank no, you so thank that's you. that's a sign. And again, being an All-American, it's not just about on the field, but it's off the field too. So that's a huge testament to to what you provide, you know, on the field and off the field thank to you. all these all these young players. Um, guys, if you uh, want to reach out to us, it's at Goalkeeper Podcast on the Union Goalkeeping app or contact at InsideThe18Media.com. Uh, if you want to reach out to Susky, it's at Susky on the Union Goalkeeping app or at Goalkeeper Podcast for myself on the Goalkeeping app. I have an at Michael Magid, but uh, it's very difficult for me to toggle between the two. So just do just do the Goalkeeper Podcast and assume that it's most likely me that's, uh, that's talking with you right over there. Um, if you guys haven't checked out the app, go to theuniongk.com. You can learn all about it right there, all the mentor programs we got going on, all the different breakdown sessions, all the college recruiting, all the parent mentoring, all that fun stuff. Um, all right, guys, that's all the time on Inside the 18, and we are out. Bye, Later, guys. guys. Thank you. Thanks.